0: amen. Thank you. Good morning, church. Hope you're all uh, doing okay, staying cool. Summer has arrived, for sure. And uh, I am uh, encouraged uh, to see all of you here today. I, um, if you're new here, we have been going through a series on the parables of Jesus, Story, stories of radical grace. that that Jesus would would share to teach us about what the kingdom of God looks like. Now, we were going to continue uh, that series again this morning, um, but due to circumstances out of anyone's control, um, the way the person who was uh, scheduled to preach couldn't preach this week, then the backup plan fell apart, then the backup backup plan fell apart, and on Friday afternoon, I realized i got to preach on Sunday. <laughs> and so um, I was uh, uh, scrambling a little bit. And, and the truth is, no one, needs to con- no one needs to convince you that sometimes life is just crazy, right? Sometimes it's just crazy. And, and sometimes it's just a grind. Do you, do you ever wish that you could just put the world on pause for like a minute, yeah? You know uh, that Staples commercial with the easy button? They've gotten a lot of mileage out of that, that um, marketing campaign, right? It's become like kind of like a central thing for all their commercials now. You know why? Because we all want that easy button. Every single one of us wants an easy button, We live in a broken world filled with people who have broken souls, including each and every single one of us. Life is tough, and we get stressed. But we want to know that things are going to be okay. We want to know that we're going to be okay because we stress about the bills. We stress about our jobs. We stress about, you know, our marriages, our family lives, our friendships, our future, whether or not our lives matter, that we matter. So here's what we do. Here's the, the typical response um, that I think most people have, and it is either fight or, f- or flight, right? It's e- or both, And we just kind of randomly go back and forth between the two, right? When we fight, we're working hard at trying to control everything. And you know what that does? It it just sucks the life right out of us. Because we can't control everything, can we? And when we realize that we can't control everything, we go with flight. We try to numb our frustrations with escapism of one kind or another or we chase what we think might make us happy and you know what that sucks the life out of us too either way we're worn out now our topic for this morning is rest true rest because lord knows we need it don't we You know, it might not sound like, you know, a really exciting uh, topic, but it's critical. It is so difficult for us to slow down the the RPMs of our inner life. And so when we see stickers like this one right here, it kind of summarizes our culture, right? Work hard, play hard. I mean, even when we go on vacation, we need a vacation to recover from our vacation, Right? It happens to all of us. So why do we find it so hard to rest? Well, I think there's, you know, several reasons. Like, jobs are a lot harder to come by, and they can disappear like that, or, or the cost of living, especially in San Diego, is totally out of whack, especially when you compare it to personal income. And as a result, most households around here have to get more than one job just to make ends meet, Right? And then we have new technology that enables us to work anywhere, which is okay, but then we end up working everywhere. But most significantly, especially in our day, we get our meaning and we get our significance in life primarily through what we do. What is one of the first questions you ask when you meet somebody new? What do you do? That's exactly right, and, and that's not necessarily a bad question, but what is bad is when our identity gets wrapped up in that, because when that happens, it becomes impossible to rest. There has never been I, a more difficult time or more important time to rest, so let me show you. If you're taking notes, first, in the note page, we need to... Rest to refresh our bodies. Uh, Look what we read. It says in verse 1 this. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Now, the law specifically allowed this. This wasn't like, I mean, it wasn't stealing. He wasn't stealing at all. They were allowed to walk through fields and, and pick the grains. It was totally okay. So the Pharisees weren't calling him out for stealing. Right? The problem was that it was the Sabbath. And reaping was one of the 39 things the rabbi said you couldn't do on the Sabbath. And so in verse 2 it says some of the Pharisees asked, "Why are you doing," asking Jesus, "Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath?" Now, how would you respond? to someone confronting you like that, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I know what I would say. I would say, why don't you mind your own business? Why don't you just chill out already and stop being so legalistic? Don't be such a, you know, religious nag, you religious nag. But that's me. And Jesus does not say that. And he doesn't say, you know what? Hey, just stop right there. I came to get rid of the Sabbath. Jesus didn't say that either. Look what he says in verse 5. It says, then Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is telling these Pharisees, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is what I am all about. The Sabbath is central to who I am and what I came to do. Jesus says, I am the Lord of rest. So Jesus is not like canceling the Sabbath here. Because as humans, we have this profound need for physical rest. In Exodus chapter 23, the Old Testament ceremonial law said this, that six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work, so that you may be refreshed. And that word refreshed right there literally means to catch your breath. And we need rest to refresh our bodies our relationship with work or our relationship with whatever else we do is so out of whack that if you think that just taking a day off or something will lead to real rest, you're fooling yourself. I mean, we need, I mean, the need for deep rest is absolutely so great and so critical that we cannot live without it. We can't. But at the same time, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't come naturally or or easily, and and we can't just do it as a simple act of applying a biblical principle. Why is it so difficult? Why is it so difficult for us to really rest? Why can't we just, you know, downshift? Why why is it that the national statistic is that one out of every eight dollars is spent on leisure? But at the same time, we are such a restless people. You know what? We have countless options here in San Diego, don't we? The, 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 countless options There's countless ways that we can rest. Go to any hotel, motel, lobby, and check out the rack of postcards, right? You see, all the different things that you could do in San Diego if you're willing to you know, max out your credit card and sell one of your kids. <laughs> we have more options you can shake a stick at. In San Diego, we can go to the, to the beach, or we can go to the mountains, we can go to Disneyland, we can go to Mexico, to the desert, whatever. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But we're still not restful. Why is it that in a laid-back city like San Diego... We're so uptight and so anxious and always in a rush. I think this idea of laid-back San Diego is just kind of a a marketing deal for San Diego. I I know that I've told you this before and I wonder if any of you have actually tried it. Next time you're at a stoplight with somebody behind you and the light turns green, Wait just three seconds before you take your foot off the brake and see what happens. Exactly. You get honked into the ditch, and it's probably me honking at you. <laughs> this brings us to our second reason to rest. The first reason, refresh the body. Secondly, rest to realign your soul. Something more than physical rest is needed. We need something deeper. Check out how Jesus responds to the Pharisees. Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were were hungry? Jesus is referring to something that happened in 1 Samuel chapter 21. David and his men were were hungry, so David went to the priest and asked the priest for food. but, But the only food the priest had was this consecrated bread in the tabernacle. And only the priests were allowed to eat this bread. But the priest went ahead and gave the bread to David and his men. And God never rebuked them. God never corrected them for setting aside the law. And why is that? Well, because it was a ceremonial law that could be set aside in special circumstances. Now, I want to make something absolutely clear at this point. There's a difference between ceremonial law and moral law. And you will never, ever, you will never find God allowing for a moral law to be set aside under any circumstances. Never. You see a a moral law? Stated, proclaimed in the Old Testament, you can't just say, oh, that's the Old Testament. It doesn't count anymore, okay? You will never see God setting aside a moral law. Morals last forever, okay? But a ceremonial law is a provisional law that will end when something happens that fulfills it and makes it obsolete. It can be set aside in special circumstances. Now, Jesus is saying that the Sabbath is provisional because it points to something greater. It is a physical event that points to a spiritual reality. It points to a deeper rest, a rest for our souls. And we need this deeper rest. I heard another pastor quote a a journalist, and I tracked it down. The journalist's name was Judith uh, Shulevitz, and I love how she says this. She says, Go back one for me if you can. I'll I'll go ahead and start reading it. When the Sabbath was still sacred, when the Sabbath was still sacred, not only did drudgery give way to festivities and family gatherings and occasional worship, but the machinery of self-censorship shut down too, stilling the eternal inner murmur of self-reproach. Do you understand what she's saying? I mean, we not only need rest from the work, we, we need a rest from the work under the work. On the surface, we may be, I don't know, successful, we may be doing our job, we may be working hard to accomplish uh, something or anything else that, that we desire to accomplish, but under all of that, we are working to prove to ourselves and other people that we're not losers, And it is a never-ending work under the work. This machinery of self-censorship, this this self-condemnation, this eternal murmur of self-reproach. This striving for significance, this striving for meaning, this striving for completeness that just makes us weary. You know, sleep experts tell us that we not only need rest, but we need deep Uh, Rest and as I understand it, uh, we need to reach stage four in our sleep and a regular cycle of REM rest. And and you know um, when that doesn't happen, it can really mess with you, right? I mean, sleep deprivation is a torture tactic. Okay, that tells you how important sleep is. And because of some weird disorder, Shannon, my wife, rarely gets to stage four with that regular cycle of REM and. You know, God bless her, she keeps her head up and treats people who don't understand with patience and is always fatigued no matter how much, you know, rest she she gets. In the same way, you can take your day off, and that's good and you should, but you can take your day off and still be weary. Weary from this endless work to prove that you matter. Physical rest is so important, but it's not enough and we also need deep stage four REM rest for the soul. And that raises a key question, right? Where can we get this deep rest? That points to our third reason for rest. Rest to remember the Lord. Okay? Uh, look at verse five again. Then Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is Lord... Of the Sabbath. Now, what you need to know here, I mean, we read that, we read right over it, but what you need to know here is that Jesus actually dropped a bomb here when he said that. Dropped a bomb that would have just made the Pharisees absolutely, well, it says they got furious because of what he said right here. Because Jesus is saying, and the Pharisees would have understood him to say, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I am the one that the Sabbath points to. I am the fulfillment of the Sabbath. I am the one that gives you the deep rest for your soul. I'm the only one, Jesus says, that can shut down the machinery of just the self-condemnation. The only one who can quiet the eternal murmur of self-reproach and put an end to your ceaseless striving. I am the Lord of rest. We need to answer a couple questions here. And the first one is this. Is What is this rest that Jesus gives to us? Well, let me say it and then explain it. Because it might not sound right at first, all right? So just hang in there with me. It's a rest based on complete satisfaction with our work. Genesis 2 says this, that, that God finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day... He rested from all of his work. When God finished creating the universe, he rested. Why? Was God, you know, tired? Was he, was he exhausted? Was he like, whew, man, I am, I am wiped out from creating all of the things. I need a break. No, of course not. So why did God rest? He rested because he was completely satisfied with his work. Every time God created something, he stepped back, looked at it, and what did he say? It is good, right? Over and over again, he looked at what he created, and he said, it is good. And when he was completely done, he stepped back and he said, it is very good. The only way To rest deeply is if you're completely satisfied with what you've done. Complete satisfaction is the key to deep rest, and that is exactly our problem. That is exactly our problem. We will never, ever be satisfied with the work under the work, our work of trying to prove our value, to prove our worth. It is never done. Or is it? The rest Jesus gives us is also a rest received by faith in Jesus. I love Hebrews Hebrews 4. This is so perfect. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Did you hear that? Anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. How, how did God rest from his work? He rested by being fully satisfied. And the writer of Hebrews is saying that Christians, those who put their faith and trust in Jesus and what he has done, Christians can experience deep rest because they are, they are completely satisfied. But how does he give us this satisfaction? How does he give us this rest? Well, you know what? There's a clue in the text. After Jesus healed the man's hand, what does it say? That the Pharisees were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Why? Well, because he said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath." And when he said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, he was claiming to be God. And everybody listening to him would have disagreed with him and gotten furious. And so now these these religious Pharisees, they're faced with a choice. And and, and the choice is this. Will they worship him or will they kill them? Or will, will they kill Jesus? You know what? Those are the only two options Jesus gives us is either worship him or kill him, and that's it. There's no third option. Jesus doesn't give us room for that. He doesn't say, okay, you can consider me like, you know, a nice guy that healed the sick and and loved the poor and said a few wise things, but you don't need to worship me. He doesn't give that option. He says two options, worship me or kill me, one of the two. And what did they do? Killed him. And you read the rest of the New Testament, you realize that but we're responsible for that, too. And here's what's ironic. It was on the cross that Jesus fulfills the Sabbath. On the cross, Jesus cried out, It is finished. What was finished? When he said, It is finished, what is it that he was talking about? His work for our soul was finished. He lived a perfect life and he lived that life for you. And then he died for all of our sin. And so when we trust in Jesus, when we say, you know what, I rest not in my works but his. God accept me not for my works but his. I rest my significance not on my works but his. God gives us credit for the perfect work of Jesus. His perfect work of obedience becomes ours. And now your Heavenly Father looks at you and says, it is good. It is very good. It is finished. Listen to me. When your Heavenly Father says that to you, your your inner machinery of self-reproach will shut down. When you hear the Father say, I am completely satisfied with you, Then the eternal murmuring of self-censure is silence. When you hear the Father say, you are my child, I love you, In, in you I am well pleased, then you will experience deep rest for your soul. So I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know what is causing you unrest right now. Maybe there's something on multiple fronts and as you're going through it as life's curveballs just seem relentless and keep coming after you do you know that true rest is already yours in Christ i mean if you know jesus you know this rest and and if We can't rest deeply or in the the times that we can't rest deeply. It's because in those times we're not trusting Jesus and his work. You know how I know that? From personal experience. If you have trusted in Jesus and, and, and you still don't experience uh, uh, that, that deep rest or moments that so you don't experience that, that deep rest, it's, it's in those moments that we don't fully understand all that we have in Jesus. And, and so often what we say is, that, that's cool, Jesus. I have, you know, riches of Christ. No, not quite enough. I also need this over here. We do that. This is why we need to keep wrestling with the gospel. This is why we will never, ever move on to anything, you know, than the gospel or something that's supposedly deeper than the gospel. Nothing's deeper than the gospel. So this morning, um, we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper like we do every Sunday morning. And I want to remind you, just, just to guard your hearts against going through the motions on this. Okay? We bow our heads, time of silence, music plays, stand up, come forward, bread, cut, eat, return, one, two, three, four, five, six, we'll just go through the steps. Guard your heart against going through the steps, going through the motions and and realize as you reflect on the significance of the Lord's Supper with the bread representing Christ's body broken for us and the wine representing Christ's blood poured out for us. Remember that this is a time to rest. Rest from our work under the work and trust in Jesus' work. It is a time when we participate in the Lord's Supper to hear Jesus say it is finished. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you please bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we it is my prayer that you would give us the ability this morning by your Holy Spirit, you would give us the ability uh, to be able to admit that we have a difficult time resting. We're always trying to prove ourselves to ourselves or to someone else, that we're not losers or that we're good enough or that we're important. We take our day off or we, we go on vacation or or you know, we try to uh, mentally check out or, or or numb the difficulties with... just an an endless pursuit of having fun or whatever it is. But it's short-lived and we never end up experiencing deep rest. God, I pray that you'd forgive us to look into our, our own work for significance. Always hoping that We can get approval by, you know, what we do. God, help us to remember that because of Christ, um, you accept us. Thank you that through Jesus' finished work on our behalf, we can know that we are pleasing in your sight. And God, I pray that truth would help us to just relax (laughs) to rest and know that we have deep rest for our soul we pray these things